tomorrow, only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tomorrow, only on Disney+. Plus. We talk about you often. Oh, I miss... I'll tell you what, you know what really sucks, Sean? Is Portland without you. Okay, that sucks that's, worse than Charlotte. That's... Single tier. It means a lot. That means true. a lot, man. It's true. I mean, it really is like, you know... Even my mom said to me one time, she was just like, you're just missing like one summer in Portland. And I was just like, oh, how many summers do I even have? <laughs> like, it's just <laughs> one summer in Portland. I only got a couple years left in these knees. <laughs> exactly. Well, take solace in the fact that Alex said that they talk about you often. Yes. Because what that implies, they don't talk about me often. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! Well, I, Edwin, I, you've already been gone for a while, yeah. so yeah, I we're know used. That we're, we're used. I've to been, you. I've been done gone and, instantly, and you ain't coming back. So that's true. Yeah, and for right. Sean, it's like, oh, he's so close yet so far. Yeah, get on Versus... my level, Sean. I'm gonna miss every point. I know you're right. I, as I was saying that, I was like, well, it's Edwin's okay. gonna it's be okay. like, whatever. I made my choice. Yeah, Crazy. we have fully emotionally decoupled from edwin at this point so yeah, no, we're, we're <laughs> oh yeah i'm dead to you now yeah no it's All just because right. we hang out with ryan and then ryan's in tears you know because you're not there because i'm not there we... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really Edwin's funny you... <laughs> it's like oh ryan oh no are you missing sean <laughs> what no who? I haven't seen Edwin in months. Sean's whatever. It's Edwin. <laughs> out of paper, out of stock. There's friendly faces around the block. Break loose from the chains that are causing you pain. Call Michael and Stanley, Jim Dwight Creed. Call Andy and Kelly for your business paper needs. Or Dunder Mifflin, the people versus paper people. Dunder Hello and welcome to the Michael Scott Podcast Company, a show for fans of The Office by fans of The Office. I'm your host, and don't get me started about how coddled the modern anus is, Sean Roney. I'm Edwin Jane's barista at Dwight's Caffeine Corner. And with us, as always, our producer in the warehouse, Mr. Alex Ward. Start your morning right with a burst of blueberry <laughs> or try plain. <laughs> Every week we get together and talk about our favorite show, NBC's The Office. This week we'll be talking about the episode China. And uh, and then we'll head to the conference room. We'll talk about, uh, we're going to talk about BJ Novak. We're going to talk about text thread dynamics. Uh, and then we'll finish up with some baby-themed trivia sent in <laughs> by a listener, uh, Allison. Uh, so stick around for that. Uh before we get started, do we have any housekeeping, Alex? Oh, just the standard. Uh, you know, uh, the Scots Tots family grows with every passing day. It is a mm. big, beautiful cult of our wonderful children, <laughs> all there to to support us, to have fun together. Uh, we've got, uh, as always, ad-free episodes on that feed. You get our monthly exclusive, exclusive mailbag. <laughs> episodes guys uh just for the tots we we hit about a two-hour one this month that uh people it are loving huge. right now people are loving uh we got we got a bonus episodes that we throw in there there's a couple bonus draft episodes we got our our archival recordings in there we got season two of ted lasso i mean that the time is the time is right to become a tot guys there, there's been no better time in history than right now so Come on pick in. up that phone and dial. <laughs> <laughs> you know, head over to patreon.com slash Michael Scott. Support the movement. Support the show. Uh, connect with other Office fans. We got a great group crew of people in there. So yes, hit that up. Do. And then um, 
I don't believe our store is online. I think we we pulled the plug. Uh, store is gone. Our store is but, coming. Uh, Christmas two thousand two should be ready. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was we we had to, we had to pull the plug on the store. It just wasn't the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. But that's not to say there won't be merch in the future. That's a little. We're tease. gonna we're gonna look about at a different way of doing merch moving forward. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's about it for housekeeping. Um, yeah. Well, there you have it. Thank you very much, Alex. Guys, China is agrarian, growing fast, but agrarian. Okay, <laughs> this is... fast, you betcha. <laughs> uh, this is the episode where Meredith tells Oscar to suck it. We are talking about China today. It's season seven, episode 10, uh, written by Halstead Sullivan and Warren Lieberstein. Of course, Warren Lieberstein's Paul Lieberstein's brother. Uh, Halstead Sullivan is kind of interesting in that i don't think that he did a lot before the office but he went on to uh produce the show difficult people um which uh stars uh uh billy eichner so uh so there you go and then uh this was directed by charles mcdougall uh who's directed many episodes of the office and uh it aired on december 2nd 2010 Edwin, why are we talking about China this week? This episode kind of follows a natural progression. On one hand, uh, we did just talk about Annie and Daryl, and they have a little storyline in this uh, in this episode with their texting back and forth. And then at the same time, we got a, a comment from one of our uh, Patreon uh, subscribers that mentioned, uh, in the lead-up to our last mailbag, that mentioned... Um, that this episode is just super underrated. And that an earworm that li- this uh, comes from Alessandra on Patreon, and they mentioned that the, an earworm that lives in her head rent free is Dwight high fiving Jim with his foot. So it made sense. <laughs> to, I forgot uh, how I forgot how makes. wet the foot is. Yeah. yeah. So uh, after watching bits yeah. and pieces of that this episode to prepare for the Annie and Daryl episode last week, and after reading that comment, it made perfect sense uh, to dive into this episode for this week's. Episode. <laughs> yeah, well, that's exactly. hot coffee. So <laughs> just remind me of that. D- that's a great D'Angelo line. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's start at the cold open. Dwight uh, attempting to gain the petty dexterity of a chimp. Yeah, that's right. And all of us are sitting there like and looking like an idiot. The invention of the foot to hand high five. Um, <laughs> I mean, what a great cold open in that it's not just a gym prank. It's it really starts with Dwight making a fool of himself, just like, you know, Dwight with the exercise ball and Jim hits it with the scissors. Um, it's always best when Dwight is already being a bit of a jackass. Uh, and then Jim comes in with the prank. I remember there's a, a machine capable of his own destruction. there's an interview with john krasinski i think it's in the andy green book it might be in brian Baumgartner's podcast where they he talked about in the early audition sort of testing phases for the office they had like a test scene with him and rain wilson and that rain wilson as dwight was just making a beeping noise to try to annoy him and it it was it it, it was like a perfect um uh summation of their dynamic for the rest of the show yeah yeah this is a good a good instance of that as well where dwight is just doing something by himself but it's so close to jim it's it interferes with pam's desk as well he chooses the worst possible activities to do putting his toes near a pencil sharpener and then uh, also trying to hand write a letter um and drink hot coffee okay or spilling the when coffee. he when he is like narrating writing that letter like it just it makes it's so funny D. D. E. <laughs> a. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's what's the what's the martial art where you you like use your opponent's force against them judo? Sure, sure right? <laughs> That's one of the tenets of it, I think. Boy, I'm way off base here. Someone's going to Keep uh, going, keep going. Go just keep anyway, going. Anyway, this is like you say Sean, this is one of those good one we're like that's what jim is doing on dwight and his best pranks are where dwight has all dwight is doing this and all jim is doing is stepping out of the way and giving him a little push and dwight's gonna fall on his face um but the timing of this one i mean this is like you know they've had six seasons before this one they are it is dialed in how they do mm. these little cold opens and you know there's not it is there's not a, like a, after season seven some of these kind of old school just Jim and Dwight cold opens. There's not a ton of them, you know, so it's uh, it's yeah. nice to have this one. Um, 
Uh, considering everything that happens in this episode, I'm glad they went with a cold open. I mean, One, and, and okay. oh, just like before we get into the meat of this episode, just right away from the cold open, uh, cold open, this episode just feels very timeless. It was kind of hard for me to f- find where it was in the in the series. Um, you know, of course, it's season. You mean seven, timeless? But, like it could have been anywhere in the show. It could have been anywhere. Could have been <laughs> anywhere. I was going to so, say it strikes me as one of the more most time stamped episodes of of the office but I what you're how, saying how is so? within the office because it's both like, right you're both it right. specifically mentions the year 2011 it's like a cover mm. of Newsweek from 2010 the mm-hmm. technology they're using in it like and a projection to the year of 2020 but you're both right <laughs> yes you're both right there are elements of this episode that feel like it could have been placed in many seasons just because there aren't a lot of anchoring sort of plot storylines outside of Pam as office administrator, which clearly grounds it in season seven. Right. There isn't um, Jim and Pam's relationship dynamic from the early seasons. There isn't uh, Dwight and Angela near, from near the end of the show or Angela and Andy or any of those other sort of or Michael and Holly or any of the other sort of anchor moments that, that are very, I think, signature of the different times and different eras in the show. And it's funny because they, these are storylines that could happen with any sort of Thing. It's not about China itself. It's about the episode is about Michael getting excited about something and how seriously Oscar takes himself. It's it's a way for the, the show to talk about Oscar's actually thing and put him against Michael. Um, and then so in that regard, yes, it's very, very timeless. But it is funny the way that the show does put a very hard timestamp on it with the mention of the year 2011, an economic projection mm-hmm. um, that is supposed to go to the year 2020. It's really funny how both of these things can be true. I didn't do the research. Is is this article real that they're quoting, or did they just completely, you know, fabricate this? Uh, these facts. Well, I, I don't you know. Said it, when did this air? This was uh, in two, uh, December second, two thousand ten. Oh, they would have filmed it before that. Mm-hmm. This is good. You're like you're like Ryan looking up the info uh, on his <laughs> yeah, computer. Yeah, yeah. Let me. I'll check the web. <laughs> but uh let's get into the the main storylines of this episode of course uh the first is uh, michael is upset by an article that he reads at the dentist's office um when another kid had the magazine that he wanted to read he picked up newsweek uh and learned about china and then um uh i think my maybe my my favorite part of this episode is is this B storyline, which is Dwight is the building owner abusing the Scranton branch, uh, and Pam decides to fight back. It is, a, yeah, it's a challenge of her uh, ability as office administrator. She goes toe-to-toe with Dwight. I guess, where should we start? Uh, well, I, I'll also mention that, of course, there's the Daryl and Andy storyline, which I encourage people to go back and listen to our episode from, was it last week? Just last week. Last Just week. last week. Uh, we, we touch on that, and we will a little bit here. But I think we should actually start with the B storyline, and then we can get to uh, Michael and Oscar. Let's talk about Pam and Dwight first. Um, of sure. course, Dwight has a great episode that uh, that starts with the cold open with him <laughs> uh, using his feet. But um, I mean, what an exciting and brilliant uh, uh, thing for the writers to come up with for Dwight that he now owns the the building that the Scranton branch is in. It gives them so much more. Uh, room to play with the physical space in the office. So not only does, is Dwight, you know, um, instituting all these measures around the uh, around the building to save money, but he's also built out the coffee shop, which gives him another area for them to have like this final scene, that little confrontation scene between, um, or it's a conversation scene, I guess, between Michael and Oscar. But yeah, we just get to see Dwight. Dwight is the owner of the building, just opens the doors for them to do a lot more. We see Dwight's office we see the the coffee shop we see the dwight unfurl the big or i guess dwight and nate unfurl the big banner over the windows dwight is kind of unleashed on uh on the physical location of the office and it's up to pam to stop him um i mean you have to think back to episodes like healthcare and stuff where dwight is given a little bit of power over everyone and uh and completely runs away with it and gets very evil there's something funny, too, about Michael essentially abdicating responsibility and pushing it on to Pam. There's no five families 
to talk about this. It's Jess yeah, Pam. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking uh, of that, I I wish I I hope maybe in the extended cut, but I was like, it would have been so great to get this would have been a great chance to meet some of the other five families that we don't really like. Give me give me a give me a Bill Cress and Dwight scene yeah. of, of where he's just like, what the hell? Like or 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 Bob Vance. Like give Bob Vance interacting with Dwight and having reason to talk to Dwight now mm-hmm. as the and or have yeah. Dwight just cave to him immediately. Uh, yeah, where yeah. the hell is Bob or at least Phyllis? Yeah. I think saying I might have to call Bob. And based on the way that Dwight eventually sort of gives in and, and, and uh shows compassion to Pam, he knew what he was doing. He knew what he couldn't be doing. I think um Dwight was just trying to see how far he could go. And Dwight, I think, was just enjoying using his power uh when when he in fact did have it. Um, yes. At the same time, this does involve real stakes for Pam. Uh, she has so many ups and downs in her time on the show, and she really has to confront. She talks to Jim in the stairway about failure, about not succeeding in art school, not succeeding as a salesman, and now in this new opportunity, which seems to be kind of tailor made for her as someone who knows the office very well, somebody who's very empathetic to the entire staff. Um, how can she fight back against uh, against Dwight, who seems to be, uh, to use Jim's phrase from a later season, bitten by a radioactive Dwight? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, too, because this, like, this episode's coming off of, you know, Wolf.com and Viewing Party, and then going in, right after this, we go into Classy Christmas, The Ultimatum. Like, it kind of, it, it kind of sits between some other stuff going on. I just wonder if, like, Dwight's experience with the hate place was, like, I like that feeling. I'd like to. I'd like to own mm-hmm. more of this. We know that <laughs> their lease with Beekman Properties was up. Uh, we learned this early in the show, and mm-hmm. that Dwight would have bought this. Um, I can't imagine this was a cheap uh, investment for Dwight. This could. This was no. not cheap. Mm-hmm. Buying encouraged a commercial by, property like that outright, and encouraged by Joe Bennett to do so. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it does give him that kind of like. I don't know. It's. It felt like after Money in season four. When they we'd really spent time at Shroot Farms and also initiation, but then leading up all the way through money, where we kind of like we'd explored Shroot Farms, we'd seen Dwight running, you know, the Beats Motel uh, at at his <laughs> at Shroot Farms, right? And like seeing Dwight as a property owner or running a property was very funny, but you can't keep going back to that well, like of of Shroot Farms. I feel like, and so it was it's brilliant to just have him own that building um, because we get to see him. He just he revels in his own power and his own authority. He just he loves it, and like it's a perfect way to give him that power that he doesn't have in the office. Um, but he still tries to impose his will on everyone all the time. I and- I he has some amazing lines, just like with this huge ego boost uh, in this episode. I think I think Aaron or maybe Pam is trying to convince him um, that he's hurting the people that he loves. Uh, and he says, oh, you're right. This is my home. And I would much rather see a smile from Kevin than save <laughs> hundreds on plumbing and electricity. <laughs> and it's, uh, to be uh, fair, he does get a smile from Kevin right after. <laughs> right back at you, bitch. <laughs> uh, I love also when uh, he's like, Oh, you're a funny guy, Pam. Yeah. <laughs> Once he's kind of like I, on to her. <laughs> that one of the is best one of lines my... in the whole show, I think. In the so whole good. show. The oh, other God. thing that this episode does is it creates in the in the larger sort of arc of the show, it gives Dwight a humanizing moment where he is on top of the world. He is kind of a victor and he does decide to show compassion to Pam. He does relent. And it's very different from the Doomsday episode, which which feels very similar. But Pam has to go make again make an appeal to him, and he eventually yeah. makes the decision on his own. And then you think too, where uh, at the end of season eight, when he's again on top of the world, and Jim is the one who has to convince him um, that he's going mm-hmm. to he's set up to be fired. There, there's a there's a type of episode where Dwight is given this type of power, and I think Alex, you mentioned healthcare. That's another perfect example. Um, or Dwight getting power. How does Dwight did, act okay. with his power? What'd you say? Oh, you said it. <laughs> it's just nice to win one. <laughs> There's uh, a type of episode that uh, gives Dwight these kinds of situations. It definitely. And, I mean, and Dwight, then, Dwight, Dwight does say in the end, he does mm-hmm. say not, he's like not motivated compassion, but he does also say like, I spared Pam. May I feast off her profits for years to come? Yeah. <laughs> Dwight K. Schrute, acting manager, also sort of falls in this. Uh, yeah. And maybe the yeah. job at the end of season three. But anyway. Yeah. 
Reply it. That's, <laughs> it goes that way. This, this episode stands out as well for having a lot of very signature props and set pieces, and one of which is the toilet mm. paper yes. deplying machine. I can only imagine the meetings that were had. About I was going to ask you about this, Sean. What do you think it was like from a production standpoint? I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the environment was like on The Office. I mean, season this late in the show, I maybe you, I'm sure that they had a, you know, a great prop master and special effects and they they came up with something great but uh... I, it, it definitely feels like something you know dwight would have brought from home that the shroots built by hand <laughs> it does a way look to save like money around you're absolutely parts. right yeah. it's definitely made of farm parts. like his uncle or Mo, maybe moe's built this thing who knows but yeah. uh look how something much time do you think how much time do you think nate spends at the farm during this Ooh. time he's probably running an errand a- there three times a week when his mom occasionally kicks him out of the house mm-hmm. from because he's going from, through her stuff from nate's standpoint probably too much from a viewer standpoint not enough, not enough. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that is something i would have liked to have seen nate the machine at the beat farm does actually seem to be pulling it apart when if you watch it again and kind of focus on it and then i don't know if it was designed to make such a funny display when he tries to reply it but it, it really works i'm it's, sure that it the was. visual gag is is pretty pretty great mm-hmm. and uh, and now i'm realizing too that they might have had to roll that toilet paper themselves if they really wanted to make sure it's splitting like that <laughs> but anyways we don't have to get into that um the other I, set piece that comes out of this arc is the giant roach banner Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's a massive banner. Uh, you know, I was looking for the seams. That's really all I could think about tonight. <laughs> uh, as I've been, uh, we've been printing a lot of banners, uh, big uh. ones. Uh, but uh, no, that I, I mean, and and again, that effect of it dropping is it's like they must have tested that so many times, you know, to yeah. make sure that it was gonna fall in the right way and then they pull out to you know the ensemble standing there so it's um the verbiage a very is really dramatic funny. shot that's all uh yeah the verbiage is really funny it says we kill roaches that's what we do <laughs> or like that's our job something it's something like that it's very very simple text mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's getting i was getting breaking bad vibes watching that again <laughs> dropping that kind of thing Mm-hmm. Maybe it's also because I watched the new Better Call Saul last night, but that's mm-hmm. for another podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, but you know, enough about Dwight during this storyline. I also want to highlight that, like Pam, I think th- this is a <laughs> enough. <laughs> uh, I, I think that <laughs> I think that this is a great episode for Pam. I think that, yeah. like you know, uh, I am like very. I mean, we get the stairwell scene where she tells Jim. I, first of all, I love that she says, "I may have lied about some things," <laughs> like, and then goes straight to like, "There is no building. I lied about everything." <laughs> like, yeah, this is this is when Pam is is standing up to Dwight and kind of getting some leverage. Like she says, she invents this building and gets some pictures yeah. offline. Um, honestly, I mean, the, the stairwell has is is has some of the most intense scenes in the show because this is not a light scene between the two of them. This is like... I still think we need to do gets, a stairwell episode. We should do a stairwell episode. Because um, this gets really real fast, that scene. Um, I mean, it's not easy to own your own failures and like be open about them, but I just found this scene really, really relatable, uh, especially from just like a couple's perspective of, of what Jim... The way Jim is like, hey, hey, like... When there's someone you love like that or a partner and they start to kind of implode a little bit about something, it's there's really not much you could do except that. Because, like, again, Pam is right. And it's not it's really hard to say that so plainly. And you can say, oh, you're just being pessimistic, but she's being realistic. She's just saying, no, like, well, I'm not an artist um, and I'm not a salesman. So what do you call it? Um, And it's very sobering, you know, and it's not like it's not to say Pam isn't an artist that she doesn't do art, but she's right that she didn't go through with art school. She didn't stick to sales. I mean, she invented this office administrator role and got that. That's a win, but um, really intimate scene between the two of them in, in a, in a very different way from their the type of scenes they usually have. 
and then it, she and then she really doesn't back down from her fight with Dwight. You know, she yeah. says, "Stop cutting the tampons in two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I mean, I think that it's you know, yes, Dwight gives her the win with Nate coming in with the book and saying, "I was never here," mm-hmm. and she says, "What?" And he says, I was never here. It's an expression. It's a pretty common saying. You may want to log it away for future use. Perfect I, timing. I smell that know, one it's, coming. It's funny because we, we do see in this episode that Dwight eventually does show compassion to Pam, gives Nate the book of building codes, etc. But it could have gone the other way. I think one way that the episode could have been written is that Pam figures it out herself or figures out a way to stand up to Dwight. Um, but I think one thing that it does effectively by having Dwight be show compassion to Pam. I mean, on one hand, it it humanizes Dwight. I almost said humorizes. It humanizes (laughs) Dwight. And at the same time, it doesn't set up... Very comedically humorous. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It it doesn't set up a dynamic of Dwight and Pam having to go head-to-head for the rest of the season. I think in a season like this, where there's so many plot things that have to happen, um, Holly's not even back at this point. Um, Yeah. That it makes sense to acknowledge this 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 sort of head-on collision between Dwight and Pam, and kind of get it out of the way. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I think very I mean, comedically humorous, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one one last Pam note here too, in terms of it is an incredible episode for Pam. Jenna Fisher's acting is phenomenal throughout. Yes. One of the I think one of Pam's funnier lines. There's not a ton of really funny Pam stuff, but it, I think the line when she says, "Wait a minute." A bigger idea than the Grand Canyon yes, is, is really well done. Really well done. I think one, one, of, one of Pam's funnier moments. She one, other th- one other thing that I want to mention from, uh, from this storyline. I, I agree. That's, it's a great line. And there, she's just kind of egging Michael on. Uh, yeah, of course. In that moment. She's, but she's, like, she's, learned, how to, she's like learned from Jim how to do that so well. Uh, and Jim does quite a bit of that in this episode as well that we should mention about Jim that Jim is living in this not motivated to work zone as spelled out in woof.com where he's met his commission cap and doesn't need and isn't as motivated so Jim on one hand you know he says oh my god I've been playing zombie soccer for two hours and he's building he builds that big rubber band ball Um, and he's kind of helping Michael but he also is not as invested in helping Pam I think which is um, similar to the vandalism episode in season 9 um, where Pam literally talks about how she's kind of on her own and has to assemble the coalition of Nellie and Dwight. Um, but it, it, Jim is also, he's on her side, he's supporting her, but he's not fighting Dwight the way that maybe he normally would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just a little more detached. Fully aloof, Jim. I'm, I'm sure there's so much more to say about this Dwight and Pam storyline because it, it it really is a great episode for that relationship but well and it's uh, it's like a real step up for her like what she's supposed to do as the office administrator and be on the side of the employees and it happens because stanley i mean stanley directly says that are you just going to sit there office administrator you're going to do something like she mm-hmm. she is she answers a call um much like batman in this episode uh, stanley throws the thing. signal up and and pam's there so she's She's basically like fighting on behalf of her coworkers, which technically includes Dwight. <laughs> so, <laughs> as a as a coworker, I'm thrilled about a change of scenery. <laughs> um, which is anytime, anytime Dwight is jumping between two responsibilities like that is always so funny. Between phone calls, uh, I love it. I'm I'm busy. Make something same. up. Uh, Dwight is being questioned in a string of dog kidnappings. Trapped in an oil painting. I'm going to save yeah. that one. Uh, Obama, that fashion Obama fashion show? <laughs> um, but, but of course, guys, we have to move on. We have to talk about the uh, A storyline for this episode, which is a, uh, Michael battling Oscar, uh, mm-hmm. who is known as actually around the office. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love that. On the subject of, the of China. That that they they very subtly, I mean, not so subtly, but in a way that everyone, you just get a good sense that everyone's kind of 
knows Oscar's thing for years and years. And it's like, yeah, Oscar can be kind of insufferable sometimes. And like, yeah, he always does this actually thing. And so everyone's everyone's on Michael's side, like right away, which is um, so funny. Because- that's the best part of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everyone's yes. like, here's here's a champion to fight Oscar. And I really hope you do well, because uh, everyone wants to see Oscar knock down a peg, you know, because I'm sure he's he's been like this for years. In an earlier season, the way that this might play out is that Michael is really fired up about China. He calls them into a conference room meeting to give some presentation. All of them are not interested, and they kind of fake their way through it. Um, But in the later season, they can use this episode to – Oscar speaks up, and they have this dynamic that they – you know, reference previous instances about the tour to France or whatever it is. And then it becomes an episode about Michael and Oscar, which is really, really effective uh, at that point in the show. And that, you know, those two have had their moments. They've had their kisses. They've had their, <laughs> their run-ins, but um, we're well past gay witch hunt at this point. Well and business it. trip. Yeah. I mean, you know, they've, they've, and the shareholders meeting the shareholder. I mean, they, yeah. they've shared several plots. Um, but this one is, is good because this kind of goes to that place of, a place that Michael will never have an upper hand over Oscar, which is his intellect his just general intelligence. Um, and intelligence is a strong word here or intellect. Cause it's like <laughs> reciting facts from a Newsweek article. You really uh, went after my intelligence there. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's just a matter of recalling information. And once, once, once Michael is forced to do any critical thinking later in the episode, when Oscar asks him about the information sector, it's lights out. But, um, you know, but then you get to see Michael's charisma in action, which Oscar doesn't have. So, uh, but I'm getting I'm getting ahead of the ahead of my skis here. I yeah. I I love the way that Michael come like the way that this storyline starts is just Michael coming in upset and Aaron just be like, "What's wrong?" Yeah. <laughs> like, one of many like, just Michael made coming in China, the doors. made in China, <laughs> like like just comes in hot right away. <laughs> yeah. The, the way that Oscar takes himself so seriously that he has to correct the situation, um, yes. I think, kind of speaks to how seriously he takes himself. That Michael mm. is the one who's, who's I taking... I also local <laughs> organic produce. <laughs> the way that Michael is, is taking himself seriously enough that he has to do something about this geopolitical yeah. uh, <laughs> sort of... Uh, I guess conflict or China arising is on the move. Yeah, exactly. Uh, speaks to the way that my, how Michael sees himself, but Oscar feels the need to speak up and correct Michael and try to reassure him. And I think that's what separates one thing that separates Michael from a character like Jim or Pam, who just kind of let Michael do his thing. Like you said, an idea bigger than the Grand Canyon. Um, <laughs> they just kind of let it play out where, where Oscar has to insert himself. Like they said, actually to correct facts or grammar or something like that. Um, so yeah, he's the one to derail Michael after uh, Michael starts talking about all sorts of worries compared to China and the need for big ideas. I do love how it spins out. Like this is a good like, you know, when Michael hits Meredith with her his car and then she has rabies and then he's like wondering like if they should pray to a different kind of like animal human hybrid God. And then he starts listing different combinations of animals. Like I love this, like just like all of a sudden, like he's worried about like China's economy being bigger than America's. Now we're talking about, (laughs) okay. Once a week, antacid is the idea to beat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I had that drop too. Beat me to it. <laughs> and that acid you only take every six weeks. Too big a pill it's to too swallow. Big a pill to swallow. <laughs> One of the uh, great set spike jokes in this show uh, lead up to a joke. It's perfect. Another piece of this episode that I think helps it stand out is that a lot of these scenes, including the scenes between Pam and Dwight, are done in the presence of the full ensemble. So, yeah. yes. Michael. Uh, bringing up all this stuff about China. It doesn't happen in the conference room either because when they go into Mm-mm. the conference room, Michael is in this sort of leadership presentation mode. When they're out in the bullpen, the conversation Chaos. is so much more open and people can jump in and speak a little bit more freely. 
And, and especially when he walks in and says and yells, everyone stop working. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now open your eyes. You never told us to close your eyes. <laughs> oh, shoot. I forgot I was going to open the show that way by telling you guys to open oh, your eyes. That's okay. You never told oh, us to hard. close your eyes. Um, but that, that allows it to play out that way that Pam and, and Jim are, are there in that moment that Oscar and Angela and Kevin are all in this. They're all together. And mm. It plays out again when they go into the break room and they're all eating lunch. And Kelly and Ryan, it becomes a less, again, less casual in the conference room, less casual in the bullpen is the break room where it's super, super informal. Um, and Jim says there's a lot of brain power in this room. Michael and Oscar are also in that order. There's there's so many great moments, lines that happen, though, in the bullpen. I mean, I mentioned it at the top. Meredith just say, suck it, Oscar. <laughs> I love that, um, which I think might be her only line in the entire episode. And then uh, Aaron no, she says, so, wow, so this building can get uglier when they drop the uh, <laughs> nice. They drop the thing. <laughs> Uh, and then Aaron with her like whole like thinking that everyone is trying to kill her and has taken out a life insurance, <laughs> life policy, insurance policy on her. Uh, is... I learned nothing. <laughs> I love that. That's just like you know, she just delivers the line. Well, you guys like that idea, don't you? <laughs> that gives Alex the the drop. One of our iconic best signature drops. I don't know what the oh yeah that yeah was. and I was just gonna say that's one of the greatest bleep moments in the show yeah yeah for sure um but yeah but then it leads to I, again like you said I, I I love that everyone in the office rushes to Michael's side and not only are they do they discourage him from the the confrontation the the, the smackdown that Oscar sets up in the coffee shop which makes me wonder where they went for these other confrontations like that with Jim and the tour in France um, or Andy, wherever Oscar went, um, because they seem to have all had these interactions with Oscar before. Yeah. Um, and they do a great job of coaching him. They take him, they go into his, uh, his office. And they're trying, Ryan asked him very, very basic questions about China. He can't answer any of them. Um, and it's almost like an inner circle kind of moment where they're all trying to, yes. uh, to pick him up and coach pre inner circle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's and kind of reversed when Pam's going to fight Michael or hit, let Michael's going to let Pam punch her and everyone, Toby's giving her tips and everything, yeah. trying to make sure she succeeds. <laughs> and like, everyone wants to see my, Michael succeed here. And, and when it comes to the showdown, I mean, Michael hangs in there for a couple rounds. Like he's, he's yeah. really holding his own there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, well, also uh, just when they're coaching him too, uh, I think he says that he's, he knows politics uh, and then he launches into California is bankrupt and California, California. California. <laughs> and then that causes Andy and Jim to kind of look at each other and follow Michael into his office to be like, okay, he, he needs some direct one-on-one work. <laughs> and he does. Cause like I say, this is all from him not getting the magazine that a kid was reading at the dentist office. So he had to read his week and then he read it again. And he comes in. It is pretty amazing that he was able to memorize these facts. Just, I mean, I guess he read it, and then he read it again, and then he read it again. Well, then he went on NewYorkTimes.com and read more, right? About right. uh, Just getting some facts, and of course, he's got note cards up his sleeve. Like he's really approaching this like a like a high school freshman, you know, studying for a test of just like I need facts that I can recall, Mm -hmm. Um, which. Oscar knows how to handle that pretty much. And that's kind of what Jim and, and Andy are telling him is like, do you know what you just agreed to? Like, it's it's going to be relaxed. You're going to sit there and have coffee. And then suddenly Oscar's going to bring up something else and you're going to be lost. And then he's going to pay for the coffees and you're going to feel like an idiot. <laughs> um, and all that sort of happens, you know, to an extent. But um, I mean, I don't know if you want to get to the actual the actual debate they have. Um, well, let's, let's do, do it. it. That was the undercard. This is the main event. Another thing where... A lot of the office is sitting there on bated breath yeah. at tables, yeah, yeah. and they manage to create a little coffee shop, you know, Dwight's Caffeine Corner. Uh, it's at capacity, clearly, uh, in this entryway yes. to the building. And, and, and front row seats, two minds battling it out. <laughs> and Ryan is encouraging him on. Aaron is there. Fire him. No, show mercy. Yeah, show mercy. <laughs> I love they're, that. <laughs> they're there to kind of cheer Michael on, which is so funny. Yeah. You wonder if Oscar realizes this or understands. I, th- I mean, he knows. He, I mean, my, I feel like Oscar is very much like he's like, I am defending my throne this episode. Yes. 
This and would be after. That's, I think Gabe that's why he Aaron. welcomes the audience. This is after Oscar helps Aaron while she's doing the crossword against Gabe. Mm. I think so. I'm not sure. This be after that. I would just it would give more impetus for like why Aaron would be cheering against Oscar yeah. here. <laughs> the rational consumer, as it were. As it were. Yeah, Aaron is the one who has apoplexy in that yeah. moment. We'll have <laughs> apoplexy if you don't win. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, and and. and they have a couple scenes and they, they kind of do this almost like a sports movie where it's like, Hey, Michael's winning like early on, like he's doing well. You, you know, you see this trope in all sorts of movies where, you know, the, the protagonist is, is up and they're winning and then, uh Oh, the, the rug gets swept out from under them and suddenly yeah. they have to scramble. And in this, it's like, what are they going to do? Michael throws down about the nuclear arsenal. You know where I got that? The Pentagon, our Pentagon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they have the little back and forth about, um, China loaning him billions of dollars, and then yeah, Oscar, Oscar finally knocks him off balance by changing it um, about. Do you really think manufacturing is a relevant indicator of where the world's economy is heading in twenty eleven? <laughs> Do you know the comparative expansion of say the information sector? I'd say that's far more relevant, wouldn't you? The way Oscar says that, he knows exactly mm. what he's doing, and he's that's why I think he's like great. Let a bunch of people come down and watch because I know Michael's not not doing this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I expected Michael to say line like in the deposition. <laughs> <laughs> but he's he just shakes for his a sleeve line, out, obviously. Like in a play. Yeah. <laughs> First, can I go to the bathroom? No. But yeah, then Michael stands up and makes his Michael move, which is to appeal to the audience, to appeal to their feelings, to uh, get them on his side. He does the same thing in the shareholder meeting. Um, yeah. And yeah, limo lady, we're going carbon neutral. He does he just, the exact same thing to a very supportive I audience. I love that line. He just goes demagogue. He just goes Trump on him, and he just appeals to something that's not at all what they're talking about. The look of shock on Jim's face when he realizes what Michael is doing is amazing. They even do like a tight zoom on Jim's face. Um, but yeah, it, it's a it's a very funny way to wrap up the episode because that is the Michael strength right there. Uh, it's playing to emotions, playing to feelings. I want to go way off topic for just a second because you mentioned limo lady, and I got to say... We've been talking about a limousine on this uh, job I'm working on right now. And I always want to be like, a limousine? <laughs> I always want to say that. And I know no one's going to get it, even if they've watched The Office. Uh, I request no. that you do that and then give us a report next episode on how that went. A limousine? <laughs> no, Crooks, you should be in jail. <laughs> uh, He's no, had Edwin. his limo ride. <laughs> Edwin, I, I, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's it's incredible what Michael does in the end. He 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 turns it around. He makes it about heart. He makes it about Hort. this little chat, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Boss and, and a uh, money cruncher. Completely, <laughs> yeah. I could have you fired. You're forgetting something. This chat. Two <laughs> men. One white. One Latina. <laughs> yeah, one Latina. <laughs> Which is a joke I never really got. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> no, I never noticed that that he says Latina instead of Latino. But, um, but uh, I mean, that I think right there is what makes this storyline not cheesy and really funny and it kind of works with what I like about the office, which is that, you know, people don't always get exactly what they want. It's like Michael didn't get exactly what he wanted by being smarter than Oscar. Um, But he did get something else that he, you know, like supplemental. Yeah. Like, you he know, didn't get to jump off the building into the bouncing castle. But he right. still got everyone to <laughs> applaud for him as he came down. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You brave heart, Mike. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, other things to say about uh, this storyline. I, I, uh, I mean, I think Michael's fears were uh, valid. Do you I guys want to talk geopolitics? Really a quick? lot of people say if you dig long enough and hard enough, you'll get to China. And that may be true. <laughs> I was taken by a couple, or I was surprised by one thing in particular was the way that when they go to the break room and they're talking about Oscar and they're kind of threatening him a little bit. He like, or maybe it's when Michael walks in, he kind of like flicks his newspaper out 
It just mm. kind of makes me realize how serious Oscar kind of takes himself, and maybe how seriously he takes his position as the smartest guy in the office. Um, and it's funny to watch all the characters rally behind Michael because it just shows how much they do actually support each other. Pam calls yeah. them family, the f- people that he's worked with for years, his, his friends, and they and then they show real friendship to Michael. So yeah. um, a guy who has not been kind to them in the past all the time. So. No. It just kind of shows the different bonds that relate in this episode, and, and it's a good way to shift focus um, from the early seasons when Michael is antagonizing so much, um, you know, and that's that's a signature trait of The Office, but to flip it a little bit around uh, Michael and Oscar, I think, uh, makes this a really effective episode. Yeah, I think that, like, this episode just feels like you get to see a tremendous amount of growth from all these characters and the ensemble itself as a character um that you know oscar really started out as this person who's very intimidating and you know is you you know sort of this you know he's not like a unique person in the beginning he's really just he's he's mexican he's gay he's an accountant and for all these reasons he's offended by these things that michael does but to to get to this point in the series where it's like, well, he also just kind of like annoys everybody in the office because <laughs> he's always correcting them and that he has his own self-importance of like being the most smart person in the office. And, uh, and then getting to watch everyone rally around Michael to just, you know, take him down for that. I mean, it's... Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that like you see you get to see this the show although this episode feels kind of timeless um it also kind of maybe had to come in season seven mm-hmm. oh yeah i think it definitely did i mean there's there's all the relationships between i mean and especially within the dwight and pam uh arc i mean that had to have been season seven you know uh not that you needed to have nate there but you kind of need to have nate there in this one <laughs> um you know Dwight's caffeine corner is is a set piece of this show of this episode, um, and it's it's kind of funny how untangled the uh, Dwight and Pam are from everything else going on. Um, I mean, Jim kind of has a has a leg in both of them, but but Dwight and except for except for Dwight catching the Newsweek and saying China is on the move, um, he's not really <laughs> that involved with what's going on here. Um, him and yeah. him and Pam are doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. By the way, really quick, on the Jim and Pam thing, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention their exchange where they sort of give each other the scenario of what's going to happen if they move. Where it's, it's like, move, you don't want to move right now. Moving's very stressful. And like, Jim's going to oh, turn to yes. the bottle. You're going to raise, you know, Cece. And oh in 25 years, she'll be <laughs> yes. world famous for stripping. Mm-hmm. Pam fires back. <laughs> it's a sad story. Here's another one. Yeah, yeah. We we leave. The bank takes your building. The bank takes your farm and beats the crap out of you. And then CC dances on your grave, fully clothed. I, and then penniless, fully you clothed. die. I don't know oh, why yeah. I love penniless, penniless yeah. you die. You die. That's the, yeah. And then they both have to use their hands for the motion lights. <laughs> That's a great bit throughout this whole episode. Is every now and then someone just has to wave their hands. <laughs> I mean, that is so, like uh, thank you for get mentioning that moment because again this is a great pam episode that's my takeaway from this episode Mm -hmm. i love getting to see the ensemble working together uh i love to see uh michael versus oscar um i think this this is a great episode for dwight but really my takeaway at the end of it was like this is really like a great pam episode yeah yeah an important pam episode Mm. Mm. The only other storyline in this episode is the Annie and Daryl texting storyline, which we touched on in last week's episode about Annie and Daryl, of course. Um, But we'll touch about it again in the conference room. Okay, good, good. So we'll just all go down there together at lunch. Excellent. I I was thinking that. Good work, Pam. Yay! Pam. (laughs) Sorry, I thought that drop was just the yay, Pam. And I meant to hit that after, like, it's a great Pam episode. And uh, I'm leaving all this in because sometimes the drops don't go well. Sometimes I leave uh, an edit in, folks. It's just how we run this shop. Well, let's take a quick break. Sure. We'll head to the conference room. <laughs> 
right now, right now, conference room. Topic, potpourri, let's go. This week in the conference room, we wanted to start with a new movie from director BJ Novak. That's right, Ryan from The Office has uh, directed a movie, it's out in theaters now, and it is actually about a podcaster um, who travels with uh, a woman in this true crime murder mystery sort of thing. I haven't seen right, the movie right. myself, um, but I hear it's great. I haven't seen, I don't think any of us have seen it, but it's out, and uh, I listened to the Conan podcast where BJ Novak was a guest, which you know, as an Office fan, was a really great episode to listen to. They talked a little bit about the movie, but they kind of just talked a lot and talked a lot about The Office. So um, I do uh, I do recommend going and listen, listening to that. Yeah, and it's the kind of movie where I don't think it makes a ton of sense to go too deep into the plot as far as pitching it. Um, but it's, it's got a relatively positive review on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. It, of course, is B.J. Yeah. Novak. And then if you listen to that episode of the Conan pod t- podcast, it's funny. They talk about Greg Daniels and him specifically kind of wanting to not timestamp episodes too much, specifically like mm. not mentioning the year too much. Mm. And, uh, and here funny we are. That, here we are. Two <laughs> very, very, very specific instances of mentioning the year. Um, but yeah, I'm very interested to see it for the depiction of making a podcast and like recording a podcast um you've mentioned this with uh only murders in the building yeah uh, i didn't see that I, the last time i brought this up, or i remember talking was the new halloween movie that was mm. like last halloween or a year and a half ago um they have it's the movie starts with like these two podcasters going to visit michael myers at the high security prison and the depiction of the equipment they're using and how they're doing it is so it's just so bad. It was it was like distracting me the entire movie when it was like these. You're like, I can't this believe, is a huge movie. I can't like, believe no one not... <laughs> talked to no one talked to anyone about how you'd actually do this. Like really? Mm. Anyway, they did mm. joke about in the in the Conan episode about an aspiring podcaster. I too can buy a microphone, but <laughs> <laughs> the buried entry is very low. Yeah, I think as we prove it. <laughs> Yeah, it's not yeah. not hard. Well, it's it's a lot of work, but it's not hard. Yes, <laughs> yeah. not hard to start. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but no, good for BJ uh, Novak. But- it's always exciting to see, you know, the actors, uh, writers, staff, cast, and crew um, go on to other things and to see them in different things. And especially as they go on these press tours, they inevitably end up reminiscing or promoting the um, the office again. Which is yeah, course. totally. Yeah, and totally. it like it's kind of funny because out of out of the central cast of the office, like. You know, BJ Novak certainly done a bunch of stuff, but he's been pretty, pretty out of the spotlight for the most part since The Office, outside of like Inglorious Bastards and a few other things he's shown up. And I think he's a lot more behind the camera. But um, yeah, it's nice to nice to see him in the limelight here. Yeah, he's yeah. done uh, books and he's done more writing and things like that. Yeah. There, it's it's a little more. Uh, he he definitely has a little more variance across his career than some of the other cast. I mean, that dude yeah. could probably coast on his residuals for the rest of his life but why would you want to do that (laughs) (laughs) well again we haven't seen it but uh you know we're a weekly office podcast we had to mention it uh uh so uh i don't know i i'm I'm excited to see it and we'll report back but uh what is uh what's next on our agenda for the conference room ordinary things that is our building and we sell paper uh, in this week's Ordinary Things segment, within the conference room segment, we wanted to talk a little <laughs> bit about uh, group chats and group text dynamics. Coming off of the Andy and Daryl storyline, where they talk about what is worthy of a text um, <laughs> and the standards to which a text message must, must be upheld, I thought it would be funny to talk about us, uh, talk about our own group chat, because um, we have to plan the, our, our show and our episodes and things like that, um, and then just kind of go into what, what makes a text worthy of a text. Do you guys have a do you guys have a name for our group chat? No. No, because you, Alex, have an Android. <laughs> and Edwin and I get, have I an iPhone. I was going to get exposed here. <laughs> <laughs> so we are in the green text bubble, uh, which personally for oh, me. Wow, you guys have a- your own colors? That's so cool. That's right. That's right. Wow. I'm glad <laughs> uh, you need your little colors. Mm-hmm. You know, typically I would say I'm collar blind, but uh, no. Uh, we, uh, I, I, 
you know, it'd be great if we could text on the computer, which is an Apple thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Do my texts uh, not go into your computer? No. no. Good. They don't. Good. I hope they never do. And they never will. I mean, we could be swimming in blue text bubbles, but instead we're in water's cold and Kelly Green. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Would you rather be in blue <laughs> water or green water? I mean, <laughs> I, I'm probably me. the, the worst of uh, us in terms of texting back. I blame it on, again, Alex having an Android. I can't see them on my computer during the workday. But... I do apologize, gentlemen. I I uh, I am the worst uh, at, uh, nah. at reading and getting back. We used to have Ryan on our group chat for the show, which was nice because she was just CC'd on everything. Oh, that poor woman. Years <laughs> of just text I, she didn't need. I did that on purpose because she's better at keeping up with text. And then she would say, are you going to write back to the guys? Because they want to record tonight. So you had a receptionist on the text thread. And then you would say, Pam, yes. Pam, Pam. And then, and then you sneezed yes. in my tea, and then you said, don't worry, it's just allergies. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. That's, that's funny. exactly right. Well, I've but named, I have but I, can, I have removed her, and, and I've spared her from that responsibility. Let me, let me tell you the best part about having an Android phone and have everyone else having an iPhone is none of these issues affect me. My, everything works just fine for me, including <laughs> I've, I've named our text thread the Dream Team. Okay. That's what Aww. it comes in as. It used to be MSPC. That's so sweet. But now it's the Dream Team, uh, and it works great. Uh, and now that they fixed that issue where, like, if you guys react with an emoji, uh, oh, yeah. it, I actually see that now. Instead of It used to send a text saying, like, Sean has laughed at the text message or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. So now there's it's smooth sailing for uh, for my Google phone. We're all good now. I, I run PC, Android. I don't I don't have an Apple product in my life. Who do you think you okay, are, so Sean? I mean, you mentioned <laughs> Sean. You mentioned uh, being not keeping up the most with the reading. Who do you think like is the most responsive on our group chat? Well, I mean, it's Edwin. It's everyone it's needs Edwin. to understand that Edwin is the leader of of this <laughs> podcast and the group chat and i mean i i would say that this episode in particular is a perfect example because it's really i mean the the text that we got uh for this episode is pretty much an email but he knows that you know we time is money i, I mean our, our text thread is is where we communicate but it is there there are paragraphs there are bullet points uh, it's. <laughs> I've it's tried a, to move our communication fully to Discord, Discord but Sean yeah. has not followed us there. Yeah, Edwin and I will mm. still occasionally put stuff on there, and you just won't. Uh, you won't do it. I hey. Don't... By the way, you could have Discord on your computer, and we could text oh. that way. It's much better on the computer. And oh, we've okay. talked well, about I'm starting a Discord for uh, for our our Patreon subscribers yeah. as well. We yeah. wanted to do that. We have so. it ready okay. to go. We have ready the Discord ready to all go. All right, all right. I have been wondering, like, I'm like, I don't really get Discord still, even though I've been on it for a couple of years. But uh, you know, I, I, you know, I might be an old dog, but I can still learn new tricks. Learn how to mm-hmm. use Discord. <laughs> you can't teach an old dog how to use Discord. But yeah, if you want to get involved with the Discord, let us know. We want it. It's something we want to get going, but we want to make sure that people are interested. Yeah, yeah and it would be, I think somewhat open to the public tots would have a private channel or maybe even tots get access to the discord something like that um if you use discord you listen to the show uh and you feel like letting us know please do um or if i mean if there's people out there who's like a discord mod that would like to set our channel up and like run it we are op- we are accepting applications uh hit us up send us an email and then i guess one other question for you maybe to put a to wrap this chat up is what's your go-to office gift Oh, great oh, question. Okay, so I'm, I don't know if we've talked about this. I'm sure that we have. But I do have a folder uh, in my documents folder. I have a folder labeled reaction gifts, And then within that folder, there's office gifts, And uh, and I try to keep them very – I try to keep them all labeled. Um, but uh, I would say that – the one I use the most, and I'll even use it with people who are not Office fans, is Dwight crying 
looking down, then looking up and saying, thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is, I mean, that's a great, that's anytime you need to say thank you. That's such a good gift to mm-hmm. use. I also like the one of uh, Michael teary-eyed. Yep. The same situation. Yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I, I think the one I use the most is, it's the one of of Dwight going yeah 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 yeah, and they just put oh, the word nice. yes, and each one's mm-hmm. like yes 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 yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love that one. <laughs> Even though it's think, not, you know, they added the words to it. Whatever. I think the one that I see the most often is either Michael and Dwight raising the roof or. Yeah. Michael spraying Aaron with the champagne bottle. Um, yep. Or the no God, partic- no God, please no. Yeah, yeah. Um, the office gifts are an important part of any group chat, including our own. But yeah. The one of Ryan just looking at the camera and going like, <laughs> like looking to the side. I see that one a lot. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. I, I mean, there are some that like I just don't get to use enough in in this folder here that I love that are like, but I have used them before. As uh, Kelly say, I have a lot of questions. Number one, how dare you? you? Yeah, it's a classic. I um, just sent you guys another one that's un- critically underused. I think uh, when they're teaching Dwight how to talk to women and he's doing the smile. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's, just, it's very good. Smiling and nodding. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. With the yeah, force. Let us, know, let us know your favorite office gift. I want to know. Yeah. Please, please, please. Mm-hmm. Maybe we put uh, up a poll on Insta or something like that, or like a favorite office gift kind of question. Oh, I could start a thread on Twitter. I could actually use our Twitter for something. There you go. <laughs> well, uh, let's move on to some trivia and wrap this thing up, fellas. Let's just do our thing, collect our hardware, and get the hell home. This week's trivia comes to us from Allison. Allison says, big fan of your podcast. I look forward to it every week. I just had my first baby earlier this year. And while I was on maternity leave. (laughs) (laughs) And while I was on maternity leave, I spent a lot of time rewatching The Office and listening to your podcast. I decided. I decided to create a baby theme trivia round. Hope you enjoy. Um, Here we go. Question number one. How many babies are born during the series, and what are their names? Cece? So, like, you mean to the staff, right? Yes. Cece? In the world between. (laughs) Both both Phillips. Uh, Aster. Are we looking for a yep. number or are we looking for names? I'm just giving the names uh, as I go. Both. Okay. But uh, but Alex <laughs> just got four. And said, actually, yeah. Alex, you just got all four. And there is a bonus. So Astrid, Philip, Philip, CC. Astrid, the Phillips, CC. Um, the, the bonus Jakey? is really... The, <laughs> the bonus is really tough, actually. Is it, uh, wait, yeah. There's another on. baby. Is it a human, it a human baby? Well... Michael Scott has three unnamed kids and expecting another during the season finale. Oh, so. oh okay. But, well, but then about, also, wait, what ab- I'm sorry, the, what, what about, about, uh, what about Drake? Yeah. Yes, yeah, baby Drake. Mm-hmm. Baby Drake. What Allison. about the watermelon? <laughs> uh, okay, question number two. What is Dwight's babysitter's name that he brings to the dinner party? Oh, man. Uh, Greta? I would say it was like Ethel, it's like, Irma. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a name that I have never heard before otherwise. It's like Melvina. Melvina. Uh, okay. Played by Beth Grant. Mm-hmm. Thank you for adding that. Thank you for giving credit. The great Beth Grant of um, Tony Darko fame, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Fairly carnal. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Question number three: What is Michael Scott's username for the online dating service? The little, little kid, kid lover. lover. That's right. Question number four: Which kids come to bring your daughter to work day? Okay, we have Sasha, Toby's daughter. Correct. J- Jakey, Meredith's son. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melissa, Stanley's, Stanley's daughter. daughter. Yeah, that's right. Um, Kevin, does Kevin bring just Stacey? just oh, yeah. one just one more? Kevin, Kevin's, it's uh, Stacy's Stacy's kid daughter. And what is her name? Jamie. 
I don't know. It's uh, Abby. Abby. But you you got everything else right. That was really good. Uh, question number five. Uh, we do have 10 questions. So this okay. is question number five. What item does Jan already own at the baby shower, but the office bought as a gift for her? Orbit stroller. That's right. How much money? hundred. Oh, that was like five. $200 like for dollars yeah. $1,200? $1,200. $1,200. Orbit stroller. Uh, number six, what was Andy's gift to baby Cece when she was born? <laughs> oh, the front page. <laughs> bring, <laughs> bring his sprung and then followed by Scranton Strangler. <laughs> Strikes again. I love the way he just holds the paper up over the other one. It's, it's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he has them in both arms. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Uh, number seven. What is Cece's gift to the office when everyone finds out Jim was lying about jury duty? Drawings. Drawings that seem to have been drawn by Jim and Pam. I love when they say brownies. No, but that would have been that would have been smart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Cookies. That <laughs> Cookies, would have been yeah, even yeah. better. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, number eight. What did Michael and Dwight use as a baby? when practicing childbirth. Watermelon and butter. That's right. Covered in butter. So the baby Babies could are be slippery. Anyone's. Baby could be anyone's, except yeah. Michael's. <laughs> uh, number nine, how does Jim say that Michael is related to Jan's baby? By delusion. Yeah. That's right. And finally, whose baby picture did Andy mistake as Angela's <laughs> baby picture? That's Phyllis. Well, so I hope the two of you are very happy together. Yeah. <laughs> pervert. How does that make me a pervert? <laughs> Just does. <laughs> well, well done, gentlemen. Well done, Allison. Uh, thank you so much for sending in that trivia. If you would like to send us your own trivia, please email us, mspodcastcompany at gmail.com. Uh, you can also call us and leave us a voicemail, voicemail 503 694 Nine three one four. I think that we are uh, we're well due for some uh, some voicemails on the show. So please give us a call. Uh, we're on the social medias. We have a website, michaelscottpod.com. We're on Patreon, Michael Patreon dot com slash Michael Scott. You heard about it at the beginning of the show. Uh, if you like the show, please come and support us. We do donate a portion of those funds to the Thurgood Marshall College Fund. So special thanks to our Scott's Tots. We love you guys so much. Thank you so much for supporting this show. Uh, special thanks to Ryan Lloyd, who designs our artwork. Uh, this episode was recorded over video chat. Thank you for listening. Thanks for hanging out with us, uh, listening to us talk about uh, The Office, our favorite show, talk about our own group t- group text thread. Uh, <laughs> movies movies that we haven't seen uh, and anything else related to the office. So um, just thank you for hanging out and supporting us for listening. Um, just know that we, uh, we appreciate it. I don't it. know love why you. you would want to listen to us talk about it. You didn't say the weather was bad. Um, but no, just thank you. We, we, we appreciate it really and truly. So thank you again. Take care. Stay safe. See you next week. Pippity poppy, give me the song. Yes, yes, sir. sir. Da-da. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.